Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you're doing well. We're going to continue today our study on the keys to the ministry of Jesus. We are talking specifically about the healing ministry of Jesus. And the first key we talked about was faith. Jesus walked in faith and he emphasized faith. He spoke a lot about faith, about us having faith in God. And the second thing was the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing that was upon him and how it is important that we should also be anointed with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself is the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And the third key we talked about was his intimacy with the Father and uh, walking in a close and intimate relationship with God is one of the keys to um, to having to you know to being used by God in the healing ministry now the uh, but before I launch into the fourth key which is what I'm going to talk about today I want to share with you a short testimony as I've been sharing testimonies every every uh, day so I'm going to share a testimony with you and this is uh, from a crusade we had in a place in uh, called uh, Wrocław in Poland and there's a huge hall in the city. We couldn't do outdoor meetings those days. Poland had just been set free from communism. And so there's a 6,000 seater, six or 7,000, something like that, seater auditorium in the city. It's the biggest venue in the city. It's called Hala Ludova. So we rented that and had a four night gospel crusade there. Fantastic. We had a fantastic move of God thousands of people coming to Jesus and many, many miracles. And there were so many things happened there that happened there. And I'm going, to, I'm going to share with you two of those things. The first was, I remember, I think it was the first or the second night I was coming out. The crusade had ended, the service had ended, and we had to walk through the, a, a park uh, to where our cars were parked to go to the hotel. So my team and I were walking and there were other people also leaving the venue. And then there was a road there. We had to walk across a road and on the road was a tram line and we saw a crowd that was gathered there. And uh, <coughs> we, I looked in what was happening and it was a young man about, uh, I don't know, 19, 20, 21 years of age. He had been hit, I think he had been hit by a tram or a car, but he was laying there and he was all covered in blood and he was laying still. And the people were saying that he's dead, he's dead, he's dead, they had called an ambulance and uh, they said he's dead. I don't know whether he was dead for sure, but that's what everybody was saying. And they had called for an ambulance. And so I walked up to him and uh, I mean, he was covered with blood. So I looked for a spot where there was no blood on him and which was dry. And I laid my hands there and I said, in the name of Jesus. And the moment I said the name of Jesus, the man jumped to his feet and he said, no, no. And he began to run. He took off as far, took off as fast as his legs could carry him. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. Well, he disappeared and um, I, I mean, I never saw him again. So that was one uh, interesting incident in that crusade. The other incident was, uh, was, you know, the people were coming and testifying. They were lame and blind and deaf people healed. But one night there was a, uh, there were, there was a mother, I think it was the, yeah, I think it was only the mother. She came with this little boy of hers and this little boy was born paralyzed. He couldn't move his arms and his legs and he couldn't speak. So he had never spoken, never moved his arms and his legs. And she came up and said, she said that I was here 
she testified in the meeting. She said, I was here last night with my son and you prayed over the crowd at mass prayer and a lot of people were healed, but nothing seemed to happen to my son. So I, 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 I carried him. Uh, I couldn't put him on the pram because he was kind of crying, you know, on his stroller. He was crying. So I carried him and we got on the bus to go home. And as I was standing on the bus carrying him and suddenly he smiled at me. And then she said she put his hand up. He couldn't move before he his arms and legs. <coughs> I'm sorry, were paralyzed. He put his hand up towards the, the gentleman standing next to me. And he said, hello, how are you? And after that, he was talking and she said, this is such a wonderful miracle that the Lord has done for my son. He is moving, he's walking and he's talking also. And, you know, you see, I, I, I've said this oftentimes, but sometimes you you see something with your own eyes and it reminds you of the fact that many very often uh, miracles take time. I don't know why, like when Jesus cursed the fig tree, it took 24 hours from the time he cursed the fig tree to the time that the that Peter actually saw the fig tree dried up. And um, we, we don't know why sometimes miracles take time. No, nobody knows because there's no scripture for it. Um, there, so we don't know the reason why. That's something that's a mystery known only to God. But what we do know is that God always hears prayer. So if you have received prayer for a certain thing and you are in that stage where you're waiting because God is at work in the background and he's doing something for you, never give up. Never say, well, God didn't hear me or it wasn't his will or it wasn't his time. Don't say things like that because you don't know. I mean, those are just speculative. That's not what the word says. It was not his will. It was not his time. Those are just man's speculations. So don't even go there. The only thing we should do, if you are in that place where nothing happens immediately, just give thanks and give glory to God. That's what Abraham did. He said he gave glory to God. God told him, you're a father of many nations. It took about 10 years before it actually happened, before he and Sarah actually held Ishmael in their hands. But those 10 years, it says he just, he didn't consider the weakness of his own body, nor the barrenness of Sarah's womb, but he just gave glory to God. So that's what you should do. If you have ever received prayer and you and, and you can, you should always say, thank you, Father, that you have heard the prayer. And I thank you that it is done that you are at work in my body. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. That's the best thing to do. And God shall watch over his word and he shall bring it to pass. Amen. Anyway, so I want to talk to you about the fourth key to the ministry of Jesus, and that is compassion. And I'm going to read you certain scriptures about compassion. In verse 86, sorry, in Psalm 86, verse 15, he says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion, and gracious, and long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalm 111, verse 4, He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Matthew 9, 36, and this is about Jesus. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Matthew 14, 14, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them, and he healed their sick. Mark 1, 41, and Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou 
clean. Now, let us pause here a while. There's some more scriptures I'm going to read to you. And see, compassion, uh, uh, and I, I said this a few days ago, and I will repeat it one more time, that uh, um, that uh, God is not only moved by man's faith. God is moved by man's faith, but God is also moved by compassion. And the interesting thing about God moved by faith, that God being moved by faith is God sees people's faith and that faith moves him and he does miracles. But when he's moved by compassion, it has nothing to do with any attribute or anything he sees in the person needing a miracle, but it's something that rises up within him because the Lord is good and compassionate. And it says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And when Jesus is moved with compassion, miracles always happen. Now, when people are healed because of the compassion of God, uh, they don't need to have faith. Normally, people... Are, you know, the rule of the thumb is this, that uh, people are healed because of their faith. Uh, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Lord, That's what the Lord Jesus said. According to your faith, be it done unto you. And Jesus said, great is your faith or your faith has healed you. Uh, faith is the key to receiving miracles. That's the rule of the thumb. But there are times when there are when people don't meet God's conditions and uh, God heals them anyway. And that is compassion. And that is, uh, that is the compassion of God. That's the mercy of God. And, uh, and thank God that people are healed that way by his compassion. And uh, if we learn to flow in the compassion of God and to live in the divine flow of divine compassion, we will see many, many more people healed uh, than we do right now. Because now, uh, most of us are dependent upon uh, the faith of the person to be healed in order to see them healed. We preach the word and we want them to respond by faith. And when they respond with faith, they are healed. And really that kind of miracle when people are healed by their faith really has nothing to do with the anointing on the preacher's life. Because many people say, oh, I minister to the sick and they get healed. No, they don't get healed because of you. They get healed because you preach the word, but they have the faith. They're healed because of their faith. So you can't really say that it's because of you. It's not because of you. It's, when people are healed, it's because of uh, these two things. Firstly, it's because of Jesus who died on the cross for us and bore our sicknesses, carried our diseases. And the second reason is that when we tell them about that Jesus, we preach that word to them. They respond by faith and they're healed by their faith. We are just the conduits. We are just the channels of God's healing power. And that's, that in itself in a, is a great privilege. And so we don't have to take the credit for any miracles because we can't even if we wanted to. Uh, because he is a fool who believes that he has anything to do with the miraculous works of God. Our greatest privilege, our greatest reward is the privilege of being used by God. Praise God for that. So God, you know, Jesus heals people according to his compassion. And, uh, and, and that's where also the gifts of the Holy Spirit come in. The gifts of the Holy Spirit flow and people are healed, uh, you know, healed through that. So when people are healed by the compassion of God or by the, by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that is when they go outside the rule of the thumb. Outside of the rule of the thumb is if you have faith, you are healed. If you don't have faith, you are not healed. But outside that, 
when the compassion of God begins to flow, when uh, it begins to manifest and the gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to flow, then people who don't meet God's conditions of having faith are also healed. And that's where we come to something important. People talk about the sovereignty of God. Uh, you know, that God is sovereign and God do, does what he likes and you cannot put him in a box. That is true. We cannot put God in a box, but God has bound himself to his word. Uh, Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he promised something and not do it? Has it said something? Has he said something and shall not bring it to pass? You see, God has spoken his word. And if God goes against his word or he does not keep his word, that does not make him sovereign. That makes him a liar. Just think of it. God is great. He is the almighty, but his almightiness doesn't put him above his word in the sense that he can break his own word. He will never break his own word because if he does, that doesn't make him sovereign. That makes him a liar. And the word of God it tells us very clearly that Jesus bore all our diseases. He carried all our pains and with his stripes we are healed. And there's no ifs or buts or any caveats there. There's none. He said, whatsoever you shall ask me in the name of Jesus, I shall give unto you. And he said, uh, you know, if we ask him anything according to his word or his will, actually, but we know that his will is revealed in his word. If we ask him anything according to his will, uh, um, he hears us, and if we know that he, we hear, he hears us, then we know that we have that which we have asked him for in our prayer. So when we talk about the sovereignty of God, yes, God is sovereign, but he is not sovereign to the point that he can go against his own word, because if he does that, that makes him not sovereign, but that makes him a liar. But this whole doctrine of the sovereignty of God, that God uh, has we know what he has promised we know what Jesus has done on the cross but God can ignore those things and do his things anyway that concept is a is a how, how should I put it uh, in a delicate manner that's a figment of the western mind the western imagination the educated westerner either european the american uh, who who uh, where everything is logical two and two have to be plus uh, two and two have to be four and four and four have to be eight and when things don't happen the way they want them to happen then they begin to question and they raise questions and those questions must be answered and when they cannot answer the questions then they go back to their final line of defense and that is well the sovereignty of God. I'm sorry it doesn't work that way. God is sovereign but God is not a liar. He's not sovereign to the point that he will go against his only word. But this is what the sovereignty of God means. The sovereignty of God does not mean that God will do less than what he has promised in his word but it means that God is sovereign and he is so great that he will go beyond that which he is promised. Are you with me? I mean that God's sovereignty, it does not mean that God will go against his own word and do less than what he has promised for whatever reason. But God is so great that he and he's so good and merciful that he will do more than what he has promised, that he will even touch and heal and save and, and change the lives of people who don't meet his condition. One, one good example is Saul of Tarsus. 
Saul was not seeking salvation. He was not seeking Jesus. He was persecuting the Christians, but God met him on the road to Damascus and knocked him down and touched him right there. And Paul, uh, he became, uh, you know, Saul of Tarsus became Paul and his life was changed. That is the sovereignty of God. When God is in his goodness, touches people who don't meet his conditions. That's what makes God sovereign, that he does plus and not minus. He does more than what he has promised and not less than what he has promised. Now, let's go back to the compassion of God. And in fact, a couple of days ago, I talked about the compassion of God and how we can flow in that compassion. And I would really urge you to revisit that, listen to that teaching a few days ago in which I talked about, I went into depth about the compassion of God and how we can let that compassion flow through us. And one of the things I said, the most important thing I said there is that compassion is not us feeling sorry for people or being moved by the needs of people, but compassion is really us seeking the heart of the Father and becoming one with Jesus. And when we are one spirit with the Lord, God takes a piece of that burden he carries in his heart for every suffering human being on this earth and he can take a piece of that burden and lay it upon us and then suddenly we can feel the pain and the hurt and sometimes the sickness and the disease the suffering of another person and we go into that with tears and compassion and brokenness un under that other person's burden and it is done in prayer often with prayer, with weeping, with groanings and travail, we go until that burden is lifted off. And that is how we enter into the compassion of Jesus. So it, it, compassion is a powerful force. If we learn to flow in the compassion of God, we will see more people healed than we have ever seen before. We will see people healed who don't have faith, who don't meet God's conditions, but they are still wonderfully healed. But that can happen when you and I, my friend, we come to the place where we seek God, seek the face of God in our personal time and desire more than anything else to be in union with him. That is when the compassion of God is flown, is, is manifested and it flowed through us. So anyway, some more scriptures on the compassion of God. Uh, it says um, in... Um, Mark 6:34, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. This is interesting because often he healed people because he had compassion, but now when he was moved with compassion, he began to teach them because there was power in his word. If they received his teaching, they'd be healed and blessed. And another place, it reminds me of another place uh, in the scripture where it says, uh, how many people, all these multitudes came to Jesus to hear him and to be healed because people understood that that healing was connected to them hearing his word. If you hear his word, you will be healed because the word and the power of the Holy Spirit go hand in hand and they did so in the ministry of Jesus also. And in Matthew 20, 34, so Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Luke 7, 13, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. So there are many, many examples in the New Testament. Uh, and of course, many scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about the compassion of God. And we see often how Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed the sick. Now, the next key is boldness. 
um, Jesus had boldness. That was one of the keys, uh, keys to his ministry. He listened to the Father and did as the Father showed him. He had total confidence in the Father. When you know the Father and you have total confidence in the, in the Father, total confidence, that's when you have boldness. And in John 5, 17 to 19, uh, you know, I shared with you earlier about, uh, about the raising up the healing of the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus, this is what he said to the Pharisees. He says, you know, my father worketh hitherto and I work. He said, my father is working, so I'm working too. And, uh, <laughs> and then he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing by himself, but what he sees the father do for things, for what things, whoever he doeth, those also doeth the son likewise. Jesus was always bold. You see, when you have fellowship with God, you're walking with God, you hear from God, that gives you boldness. And Jesus was very, very bold. He didn't draw back. And uh, you see him casting out demons and the woman who was bowed over with the spirit of infirmity and in front of the Pharisees, he, he touched her and he straightened her up and he healed her. I mean, he always moved with great boldness. And uh, in one of the keys to moving in the power of God is boldness. Then number six, key number six, he was always willing to heal all who came to him. And... Uh, uh, in Luke chapter 5, 12 and 13, and it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. So Jesus never turned anyone. He says, I will. When people asked him, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. Jesus said, I will. Uh, and uh, you know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said, for all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. And we say amen to the glory of God. Hallelujah. And seven, key number seven, Jesus always saw disease as the devil's oppression. He always saw disease as the devil's work. He never saw it as God's work. That's why it says in, uh, in um, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The eighth key, and that's the final one today, is I, and I have written down, Jesus could not heal people if their hearts were not right and they were in unbelief. I repeat, Jesus could not heal people if their hearts were not right and they were in unbelief. In Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6, when he came to his own hometown and he could and he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sickly folk sick folk actually the word sick there means sickly and healed them that means people with minor ailments and he marveled because of their unbelief and he went round about the villagers teaching so their unbelief was their hearts were not right because of familiarity they said isn't this the son of joseph and mary who does he think he is? He's coming and preaching to us and healing the sick. And they were offended at him because, you know, he he was a local boy and suddenly he has, he's out there and God is using him. So they were upset at him and their hearts were not right. Another thing is uh, another place we read Luke chapter 5 verse 17. This is interesting. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem 
and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, this is interesting because Jesus was in Capernaum in the house of Peter. And there were, it says there were Pharisees and doctors of the law from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from every town in Galilee. So they had come from all over the place. They must have coordinated it somehow. Can you imagine doing that in an age when there were no phones or fax machines or emails? They somehow coordinated on such and such day, we will all descend upon the house of Peter and we're there, we will put Jesus in his place and we will find fault with him and prove that he's a false teacher. So they all came. And they, these are the same people who, who, who later on, you know, they wanted Jesus killed and crucified. And they, you can imagine the atmosphere of hatred in that house. But the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Although those Pharisees and the doctors of the law sat there with murder in their eyes and they hated Jesus, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It's because God loves sinners. God loves sinners. Doesn't matter who they are, how evil they are, God loves them. So the power of the Lord was there to heal these evil people who hated the Son of God. But if you read the end of the story, the sad thing is that not one of them got healed and the reason they did not get healed is because they didn't want to change. Their hearts were hardened, so hardened by sin, by hatred, that they didn't want to change. And when people's hearts are hardened by sin or whatever reason, and they, you know, their, their hearts are not right and they don't want to change. You know, God can heal sinners, but if their hearts are hardened and they don't want to change, it's very hard for the Spirit of God to get through. It, it hinders them from receiving anything from God. So let me finish with these words that Jesus could heal the sick in an atmosphere of unbelief with Pharisees sitting around and watching him. He could do that. He, he could actually heal people when the atmosphere was full of unbelief and there were Pharisees sitting and gritting their teeth and watching him. But what he could not do was to heal those who were locked in unbelief and sin and hardened hearts and they didn't want to change. Anyway, so tomorrow we will continue to talk. We will talk about the whipping post and the cross. Uh, we just finished talking about the keys to the ministry of Jesus. Tomorrow we'll talk about the whipping post and the cross. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Pray for their families. Pray for their homes. I ask you to bless them in the name of Jesus. Father, if there be any sickness or disease in this home, I banish these diseases. I curse every spirit of infirmity. Leave them in the name of Jesus. Father God, I thank you. Let your word find a dwelling place in every heart. Bless every home, every family. We thank you in the name of Jesus. God bless you and we'll be seeing you tomorrow.